In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. In my very first job as an ordained minister, fresh out of seminary, I worked as a chaplain at a large hospital. My entire career up to this point had been spent in a corporate office, so the hospital was a whole new world for me. My only frame of reference for working in a hospital came from years of being a devoted fan of the TV series ER. But I quickly learned that the inner workings of the hospital bore little resemblance to the depictions that I had seen in TVs, TV and movies. For example, the first time I witnessed a code blue, there was none of the chaos or hysteria I was expecting. To the contrary, as the medical team gathered around the patient, they were focused, deliberate, and remarkably calm. But there was one thing that played out exactly as I had seen on TV. When a patient died, a doctor would pronounce the death. Time of death, they would say, before declaring the exact minute when all evidence of life was gone. The experience of witnessing this ritual left me quite shaken. It was haunting to hear the moment of death spoken so precisely. Yet there was also something sacred about it, something holy about giving voice to the moment the threshold from life to death was crossed. As a witness to this ritual of death pronouncement, I couldn't help but contemplate my own mortality and to ponder the abruptness of death. The truth that death arrives for us in a particular moment. And just like that, it is finished. It's countercultural, of course, to contemplate such things too deeply. Our society compels us to obsess about prolonging our lives and not to think about the moment when our lives will end. But if ever there was a day in our church year to contemplate our death, it is this one. On this day when we hear the story of Jesus' death and recall his dying words. The Passion Gospel reading we just heard brings us to Jesus' final minutes, ending with his final words, it is finished, before he takes his final breath. This moment marks a dramatic climax in the passion narrative of John's Gospel. What began with the turning of water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee ends with Jesus crucified at Golgotha, beaten, naked, and left to die an agonizing death. And when that final moment comes for him, Jesus pronounces his own death. It is finished, he declares, before taking his last breath. Now, biblical scholars are quick to point out that the English phrase, it is finished, is an imperfect translation because it fails to capture the full meaning of the original Greek text, 
The more accurate translation, they argue, would be it is completed, or it is accomplished, or it is fulfilled. And this nuance in translation is crucial if we are to understand just how profound Jesus' dying words are. When Jesus says it is finished, he's not simply saying the end or it's over. No, these are not words of resignation. When Jesus says it is finished, he's ascribing life-saving purpose and significance to his death. He's placing his death squarely into God's plan for the world's redemption. Indeed, it would be a mistake to hear it is finished as an admission of defeat. Instead, it is a resounding declaration of victory. The great irony, of course, is that nothing in this scene resembles victory as the world understands victory. The onlookers who beheld Jesus' bloodied, crucified, lifeless body hanging from the cross would surely have been convinced of his defeat. By all outward appearances, his mission had ended in total failure. But with his words, it is finished. Jesus makes the outrageous claim that his death actually accomplishes his mission, that his death accomplishes the will of the Father. At the moment the words, it is finished, cross Jesus' lips, the will of God the Father and the will of God the Son align with such cosmic precision, a new era of salvation history dawns. And in his death, the power of death loses its grip on humanity. This is the wonderful paradox of the cross, that Jesus defeats the powers of evil and death by willingly submitting to them. And in this act of submission, he conquers death forever. In the words of one of my favorite prayers in the entire Book of Common Prayer, by his death, Jesus takes away the sting of death. So what does that really mean for us? That Jesus conquered death on the cross. What does it mean that Jesus' death takes away the sting of death? Well, I won't pretend to know that I fully understand how it does, because like so many parts of this life of faith, its full meaning is a mystery. But I believe with all my heart that it is true. And yet, it's still really hard for me to imagine my moment, to think about the inevitable day when someone will pronounce my minute. It's hard to think about because I still have so much left to do. Too many memories I want to make with the people I love. There's still too many things left undone and unsaid, too many wrongs still to right, simply too much that feels unfinished. And I imagine that you can relate to these feelings too. But the grace of this Friday that the church dares to call good is that it invites us to bring our fears of death to the foot of the cross. 
From the cross, Jesus meets our fears with comforting words of assurance, with his dying declaration of victory. From the cross, with his arms outstretched to bring the world into his saving embrace, Jesus assures us of this. That when that moment comes for us, there will be nothing left unfinished. Because he finished it for us on Calvary more than 2,000 years ago, when the God of love conquered death once and for all, setting us free to live. Amen.